Hello and welcome to Terrifying Robot Dog. I'm Jonathan Stark. I'm Kelly Shaver. And we're here to talk about how technology is changing the way we interact with the world. This week, big end of year news, end of season news, and maybe, ooh, end of show news? Maybe? Maybe not. <laughs> Please stay tuned. Terrifying Robot Dog is next. Dun, dun, dun. Dun, dun. So, uh, we'll just leave that tease hanging for a second. Okay. I want I want to find out about the uh, well. First of all, your holidays. Okay. Uh, but also, I don't think we've talked about the Expanse season four yet, have we? No, we have not. No. All right. So you and I talked about it a little bit personally, but not on the show. Right. So spoilers abound, dear listener. Um, I feel like. We don't. We don't have to ruin it. I. I just want to. I just really liked it. I just so stoked that that show came back. I know you're. Um, yeah, you I po- think they took one of the weakest books and made it into a very solid and good season. Right. Yeah, I agree. It, I felt like that book. It was almost comical how it got to the point where it's like, okay, seriously, <laughs> mm-hmm. <clears throat> like how much more can they pile on Holden? Right. It's like, are we trying to be the Martian here? <laughs> <laughs> yeah, it was it was almost comical, and it sort of made sense. I mean, the point, oh, yeah. big point of the book was to say how unpredictable it is, what could happen when you land on a planet that has a different tree of life, so to speak, like mm-hmm. evolved from a, in a different direction. And 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 I think a big point of it was like, hey, there's just like no, nothing uh, can be taken for same. granted. Yeah, nothing is the same, so you just then, don't know. And then you throw in the political turmoil and the um, protomolecule mm-hmm. creepiness, and yeah. yeah, I mean, I mean, it made sense. But I think, I think part of the reason that it was for me one of the weakest books was I felt like some of the characters in it were really underdeveloped, mm-hmm. and I feel like they did a better job of that on the show. Yeah, yeah, I love the guy they had play Murtry. <laughs> yeah, I'm, like- I'm a I'm a big fan of Burn Gorman. He's a good actor, and mm. it was like. Yeah, his portrayal of Mercury was um, like there were times where I actually empathized with the character. I'm like, well, maybe he's not making the worst decision here, or maybe he's not entirely self motivated. You know, his own serving his own self interests. Or yeah, there were a couple of points where he was like, he didn't say it in so many words, but it was like, look at it from my point of view. Mm-hmm. You know, and you're like, oh, yeah, he's got a point. They're, you know, they did yeah. kind of try and blow him up, and mm-hmm. a bunch of people died, and. <laughs> And he's supposed to be the security guy, so... Yeah, and you are, you know, thousands of thousands of thousands of miles away from any sort of justice system. Right. Yeah. So, I think uh, absolute thumbs up from me uh, mm-hmm. on the on the season four. I, I had two minor complaints. One of them was unavoidable, and that was um, just like the, the recasting of... Abasarla's husband. I didn't yeah. super love the actor they got for him, but the other guy was unavailable. I don't like how he was incorporated into the story. It just sort of felt out of character um, for for him and their relationship, and I think that didn't help. And my other comment was, I wish that Ellis would have been more um, uh, less rock quarry, yeah, and more like color- Mars, more colorful and vibrant. <laughs> but like, I feel like if they had tried to do something. It either would have ended up looking too much like Earth for budget reasons, and it would have been nothing special, or it would have looked if they had done it full up like it was described in the books, it would have just looked too alien and weird on the screen. Yeah, yeah, and it, it was like I think that made sense. I could see that. 
Yeah, it was very like um, deserty, and in mm-hmm. the in the book, it was like all kinds of plant life and animal life everywhere, and you really didn't see that. They really didn't yeah. didn't do that in the book. Yeah, no mimic lizards. <laughs> I forgot about this. <clears throat> Uh, anyway, so d- definitely worth watching. There's no doubt about that. Yes, yes, it was a that was very good. Mm-hmm. And uh, I don't know if you've seen it. And I'm afraid to even bring it up, but I have not seen the final Star Wars yet. Okay, I have. Okay, so we definitely shouldn't talk about that. <laughs> okay, but I will uh, say I will say probably not the the ending that I probably predicted. Maybe not would have wanted done better than I expected. Oh. That's and we'll good. just leave it at that. Okay. Yeah, I mean, it seems like an impossible task to, like, mm-hmm. wrap up without... Star Wars. Yeah, I mean, come on. Right. Uh, so, okay, well, that's good. May, at, at some point, we'll uh, we have a chance to talk about that, perhaps offline, perhaps not. Um, cool. So, speaking of the holidays, which I may mm-hmm. or may not have mentioned uh, on the show here, but we just went through the... Uh, the holiday season here in the U.S. and elsewhere in the world, and uh, you got a self-driving car. I heard. <laughs> no, it's not self-driving, um, sadly. <laughs> but the, um, I tell you what, the technology that's in it makes me feel like it, self-driving is not a huge leap away. Right. Um, we we purchased a new car because the year-end sales were super good, and we got a great deal, and it let our kiddo have our our other one and have some wheels because it's a it's a real catch-22 here where we live because it's so rural it's like you, you need a car to get a job you need a job to get a car <laughs> so i kind of okay here's here's your vehicle yeah <laughs> now you can adult <laughs> <laughs> um so we had a, a a very speechless child on christmas i'll send you that video <laughs> so you can see it <laughs> and um uh but yeah the 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 new vehicle it's got like it's got like lane keeping and vehicle stabili- stabilization and blind spot collision warning and like can put together a composite overhead aerial view of itself from like that's wild and, and show you what's around you because of all of the cameras tacked onto the thing and uh, yeah it's it's pretty wild i've never seen that before all the other stuff you mentioned we've got in our subaru and well we have, in in both we have the exact same car times two so we have uh the, and all of that stuff, like, it's amazing. It, it, it just makes me feel, we don't have that composite overhead view, which I wish we did. That's mm-hmm. really cool. Um, but it, it really is impressive. And in my, uh, my console thing in the center um, broke, there's like a recall on it, you know, in the mm-hmm. summer or something. And not having that was like, it made the whole experience feel super unsafe. Like I got used to all of the bonus features really right. quickly yeah so when i yeah and this little, and was key like it'll do things like oh if you if you have a car seat in the car using the latch system that'll detect that it's there and like let you know oh if you get out and like oh there's still a bunch of weight on this car seat did you leave your baby in the vehicle oh geez and it's like like the the doors literally won't lock if your key is inside of it and yeah that's amazing yeah i, I mean it's really um it almost feels like the technologies it's beyond inevitable. I mean, like people mm-hmm. are testing stuff, but, but, uh, it seems almost more cultural than anything. And also the transition from like self-driving cars being on the road, like hardly any self-driving cars being on the road with regular driving cars. And, and like that whole transition phase seems like harder 
like if you could just if all the cars suddenly became self-driving it almost seems like it'd be easier than having to right. go through the transition <laughs> period and the cultural shift is huge you know all the laws are going to have to it's like i mean we've talked about this plenty of times before mm-hmm. we just need to like you know what what happens when a google self-driving car you know gets in an accident you know some there's a fatality with a self-driving car like that's not supposed to because it's happened already right you know and like it's who's, like who's responsible who do you sue is like it, you, are you suing the programmer at google right you know and i suppose that happens not to a certain extent where like if there's a failure in a component of a vehicle it like might not be toyota who's on yeah. the hook it might be somebody who supplied them with like i don't know Whatever. Yeah, but you're gonna you're gonna have to have like black boxes and treat them like airplane crashes yeah. and have like investigative committees and right. Yeah, I suppose that's true. Yeah, but on the plus side, I feel like there would be fewer accidents. So I overall, think, yeah, that's the criteria. It's almost like at, I, I think that's the main criteria. I read a book about this a while ago, like two years ago. I think it was called autonomous or autonomous or something. <laughs> and uh, and the big thing was like at a certain point it's going to be irresponsible to let people drive cars because the safety of the self-driving cars will be so much better. Right. You know, it's not like cars don't crash now. <laughs> so, right. um, yeah. Yeah. We had, we had had our new vehicle and we're driving it for all the five minutes before someone cut in front of us and missed us by inches. <laughs> it's so like, it's like when you used to go to, school. Oh, we just got it. Yeah. It's like when you'd go to school, like high school with new shoes and like everybody just wanted to like step on them. <laughs> Right. Come on, gross. Yeah, you got to break that thing in. Got to break in the new sand crawler. <laughs> so, okay. Uh, what else are we forgetting? So, did you, I mean, did you, so it sounds like you had good holidays overall. Yeah, yeah, we had we had good. Um, uh, you know, that's quiet, good, like pretty low key, and just like like this this whole car thing for the kiddo and us was sort of thrown in last minute, unexpected. Hmm. Um, but um. I mean, yeah, there are various various reasons for it that I don't feel like going into on a podcast, but <laughs> right. but it you know it worked out great. So cool, uh, yeah, and and uh, you know, big Christmas dinner had we hosted like uh, I think there was maybe a dozen people, and so pales in comparison to your. I don't know. Do you guys do the giant Christmas dinners too, or just Thanksgiving? Just Thanksgiving. Uh, and Christ- then everybody kind of does their own thing on Christmas. Well, we do we do Thanksgiving at our house with a million people, and then Christmas for us is in, spent in the car. So we go to like mm-hmm. we do the rounds to like Eric's cousin's yeah. house, then her parents' house, then we wake up. In yeah, the morning that's that's how Richard Richard always did it when he was growing up. Yeah. It was like like we'd have he'd be like we'd have six Christmas dinners in three days. Yeah, and like you would just us. like go visit family and eat for three days, and that was your holiday. <laughs> right. <laughs> That's basically us. It's like, yeah. who's, how do we, whose house are we eating at next? Right. Yeah. It's right. cool, and though. The din- it and fun. the dinners vary from, like, the fine china to the Dixie plates. Yep. Yep. Yeah. So my, this year, my brother had us uh, Christmas Day Eve. He had about 30 people over because he just got married this mm-hmm. year. So, we had both sides of the family over. So, it was pretty, oh, yeah. that was pretty big. They had to rent tables and stuff. Uh, it was yeah, it was good. Cool. Ate too much, drank too much, just like you're supposed to. Mm-hmm. I, I I definitely did both of those this holiday. <laughs> cool. All right. Well, it's bringing us up to the end of the year, and mm-hmm. and the sort of big news oh. from oh, what did oh, we forget? Before we um, Disney. Oh, right, right, right. Yeah. Before we before we move on, um, another big. Tease. We had done in our countdown. You had kind of said maybe Disney Plus. Yeah. And I and we both kind of said, eh, is another streaming service to pay for really worth it? 
Right. Um, yes. Yes, it is. <laughs> and why is that? What was uh, the change we, of heart? Well, we got it over the holiday because Richard was wanting to watch Mandalorian. Mm-hmm. And and I was also wanting to watch it after we saw the new Star Wars movie. Um, not that it's any way related to the show. It just made put me in the mood for more Star Wars. Right. Um, uh, so we decided to just go ahead and get it because they were doing a sale, like six ninety nine or something, and you get Hulu too. Mm. Um, uh, but yeah, I I take back I take back my um, mehness on it. <laughs> I mean, I'm I'm not a I'm not a Disney super fan, but they own so many franchises at this point. <laughs> right. And like all of the National Geographic stuff is on there, all of the Marvel, all of the Pixar, all of the uh, Star Wars, Star Wars, and dozens of other franchises that I'm forgetting because they basically own everything. Mm. Um, but it it just yeah, it just seems there's just a lot of quality content. Um, I feel like the ratio of of compared to Netflix, the ratio of good stuff to to junk is a lot different um, because there's a lot of bad stuff on Netflix too. <laughs> yeah. I, I, um, I was, I don't know if we talked about this. I think we did, but it, it's mm-hmm. Netflix for me. I never ever go there to look around and, and pick something out. It's, it has the same feeling as back in the day, kind of shambling around a blockbuster looking for something, right. anything that looks like worth yeah. watching. Uh, it's always like someone tells me, "Hey, you got to watch uh, Mrs. Mizell or you have to watch, um, you know, whatever." Yeah, G- Game of Thrones. It's not Game of Thrones is on Netflix, but they'll they'll be like something that everybody's like telling me you have to watch with Disney Plus. It's Mandalorian. Everybody's like, "It's so good! It's so good! It's so good! You're gonna love it." And uh, I haven't signed up for it, but I definitely am going to. Especially now, I was going to anyway because we've got. I mean, like the two little kids between the all of the normal Disney movies that you, mm-hmm. you know, kid movies plus, uh, the and they, have a, and they have a lot of stuff. content. That's, they have a lot of content that's made just for Disney plus apparently. Oh, um, smart. Yeah. I mean, uh, it's just like, yeah. it's a no brainer for us. Yeah. yeah. If you have a, if you have a family, especially, especially if you have like, you know, like younger kids, like maybe like four to 12 or whatever. Mm-hmm. Um, there's if if you're trying to if you have a if you have a family if you have kids and you're trying to choose like do I go Netflix do I go Disney Plus I'm gonna say even though there is a lot of good kids content on Netflix but I would say like Disney Plus probably has higher quality mm. I don't know I don't yeah. know I haven't looked at I haven't looked at children's programming on Netflix in a long time because they have a 17 year old so yeah they don't there's I don't think we watch I don't think the kids watch anything on Netflix it's yeah. always YouTube or Amazon uh, Amazon yeah. Yeah. So I I was like, okay, yeah, the the National Geographic stuff is what sold me because I just I really enjoy a lot of their things. And I had no idea that was a Disney um uh thing. Yeah, I didn't know that either. But that's awesome. So cool. And did you start watching The Mandalorian? Uh we watched the first episode, yeah. We're going to probably watch the second one later tonight. Cool. Yeah, my um I've got a couple of Star Wars super fans that are like, it's great. You're going to love it. Yeah. So, you know, we, we watched the first one, like, okay, that was good. Enjoyed it enough to watch the second one. So, <laughs> yeah, that's, that's where we're at with it so that's far. That's what it takes, right? Yeah. Uh, cool. It reminded me of something else, too, but I guess it wasn't too important if I can't remember it. <laughs> <laughs> uh, cool. Okay, so um, moving right along. Uh, at some point earlier this year, I decided that in 2020, I was going to write 10 books, mm-hmm. which sounds crazy, which is the point. I wanted to, like... I feel like um, 
I love writing. I am not, I haven't been writing as much as I could or, uh, as much as I want to be. So I said, well, I'll just do something really audacious. And, um, if nothing else, have like a learning experience. Uh, but the, of course, you know, now that I've got a bunch of big things out of the way this year, like my black belt test and other stuff. So I was like, okay, what, what's 2020 going to be? And so that was the goal I set for myself. Um, but there's, you know, I've written, I don't know how many books, six or seven books before, and, and they take a really long time. So, uh, the idea of, yeah, in my head, I'm like, well, there's no way I can write 10 books by myself and still like have a relationship and family and (laughs) everything else. so I started, you know, I was like, "Eh," I was like, "Eh, I've got a bunch of ideas for books. They're just sitting there and what could I do? And so we were talking about it and we were like, what if we wrote one of the books together, Mm -hmm. which I love, uh, and we're planning on doing. And the, the reason I love it is because, well, because we've got something to like talk about and work on and we're both like <laughs> right. super creative. Yeah. Especially now that we're not working together. <laughs> yeah. That's the, that's true. I didn't even, that, I actually think we started this conversation before that even happened. It might've been around so. the same time, but, uh, yeah, that does add a benefit. Um, but yeah, so we're, so one of the, one of the kind of parameters I gave myself in the list of 10 books was that they'd all be different, different kinds of books, stuff I haven't tried before. Mm-hmm. So, you know, I'm got, there's probably a couple business books in there. There's going to be, a, you know, Erica and I are writing something that I suppose would fall under self-help. Um, uh, and like my sister and I are going to do a children's book. She's a painter and I'm going to write the story and she's going to do cool. all the paintings and, and, um, and us, obviously sci-fi. Obviously. Right. So this is, so I guess a children's book is fiction, but this is like, this is the one on the list that is the most scary for me is mm-hmm. like writing a, writing a straight up sci-fi <laughs> novel is like, uh, it just totally seems totally impossible. So, you know, there's no one I'd rather do it with than you. That's for sure though. Oh, thank you. <laughs> I've actually done it once before and then I tucked it away in a drawer and never let anyone see it. And by a drawer, I mean a folder on my computer and then it got lost. Yeah. So see, I knew that too. So I feel like, I feel like, um, it'll be, and we started, I don't remember why we started, we started working on something a while back. I can't remember why. Yeah, we did, but I don't remember why. But yeah, we have like, we started not an outline, but kind of like world crafting and like, who are the factions? And it was right, it was probably Mm -hmm. around the time we were really into the expanse the first time around. Probably was. We're probably just like trying to entertain ourselves between novels or something. (laughs) Yeah, probably. Um, So I, you know, I don't know if that's the idea we'll run with. I probably, uh, I think it's a good one still. But so the, so folks, the idea for, TRD for next year is that it'll it'll be on hiatus at the very least, mm-hmm. and we're going to spin up a new podcast with whatever the name of the book is going to be. They'll be like, uh, you know, that'll be the name of the podcast, and mm-hmm. and it we'll just get together once a week and talk about yeah stuff. yeah. So it it I imagine I don't know what it'll really turn into, but I imagine a couple of things. Um, it'll be very behind the scenes. It might be super boring or it might be super interesting. I mean, it, it won't be any more boring than this show. So. <laughs> um, it, it can't be less waffly than, the, or more waffly than this. Right. It so an, I imagine, <laughs> oh, now it's a challenge. Um, so, uh, but I do imagine that it's going to be a little bit 
more, I mean, you, you tell me what you think, but the way I'm picturing it uh-huh. is we just sort of like get on the phone and like, okay, what did you get done? What did I get done? Where are we? How are we going to figure out this situation? How should we end? I mean, I feel like it'll probably be like, pretty what do you spoilery. Think this character would do, yeah, it'll probably be pretty spoilery. Right. Um, but it, it's, I think the co- the combination of like having a publishing schedule for a show, like the podcast, whether or not anybody listens to it, I mean, it might be interesting to have that like, as a yeah. Even even if no one listens to it, this could be super entertaining for us to go back and listen to after the <laughs> right, exactly. Uh, yes, yes. So um, anyway, so that's the idea, and the so what so what should you expect, dear listener? Um, I think that. What we'll do is uh, we'll release one more episode after this one, which will really just be a pointer to where, because we don't have a name or uh, anything or URL or anything yeah. like that set up for the new podcast. So we'll, you know, there'll be an episode after this one will kind of be like, okay, you know, TRD is going on hiatus. If you want to hear about, you know, blah, 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 sort of like redo this announcement. And you can go over here, go over there, links in the show notes, and you can subscribe to uh, whatever the new show's called. And mm-hmm. and like I said, well, what do you, what do you picture? I mean, do you imagine it being like? Uh, um, I think it'll be. Yeah, I think it'll be pretty behind the scenes, like you said, um, sort of us working through what we've done and what we plan to do, and problems that are problems that have arisen. And oh, there's something that something that came up here in the story that it doesn't feel right to go this direction or, 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 you know, as things as, as characters and stories evolve, maybe, maybe something that needs changing or something that seems like, Oh, wouldn't it be better if we did this, that kind of stuff, you know, right. maybe, maybe along with the podcast, we'll release a sample chapter every now and then. Oh, I like that. Or idea. like, or like sometimes if I'm writing something, I will do like, just like a little experimental piece where I just throw a character into a scenario and see what happens, like where mm-hmm. my brain goes with it, that kind of thing. And, you know, maybe it's something that works into the story. Maybe it's just a side thing that's exploring a character. Right. That kind of stuff. Cool. Yeah. Yeah. I think that'd be awesome. Cool. That sounds like fun. So yeah, anyway, yeah. it's uh, it'll be an experiment in public. I uh, really don't know what to expect. It, it, it's, I mean, here's one thing. It's getting published. Like it, by the end of next year, we're publishing it. That's my, my, <laughs> I, I'm may or may not, gonna, not be good, but it's getting published. I don't care how bad it is. It's getting published. It's getting finished and it's getting published. Yeah. That's the, that's the thing for, I mean, you know, my, my, my joke is like, I'm going to write 10 bad books in 2020. So like right. just totally let myself off the hook and everybody I'm working with off the hook in terms of quality and just be like, look, this, we just got to ship this. It's not going to be perfect. Nothing's ever perfect. Mm-hmm. It doesn't have to be the next expanse or the next, whatever the next like Dune foundation trilogy. Yeah, exactly. It's, it just needs to get done and get out there. Cause the last thing I want is like another book in the drawer, so to speak. Right. Uh, so that'll be, that's, that's, I feel like that's my job. <laughs> my job is to be like, it's good enough. Come on. <laughs> get it out. Um, I think yeah. I was thinking about this the other night. I think once it's finished, that you should do an audiobook version of it. Oh yeah, yeah, and and that's one of the things. That's one of the things on my list for this year. I don't know if that's cheating, but I am going to release an audiobook of something that I I don't have any audiobooks, mm-hmm. and it's definitely cheating. I think, but one of the books I'm going to release will be an audiobook, and it'll it's which you know is going to be a version of a, an existing book. So, right. Um, but still, that's I know from talking to other people about it. It's a it's a bigger undertaking than one would like, think yeah. yeah yeah i'd imagine there's a lot of editing exactly 
yeah, and you, you have a lot of a lot of problems with like, I mean, it's one thing to be doing a podcast and have the dog walk through the room, but you don't want that to happen on. Right. I mean, you don't want it to happen on a podcast either, but <laughs> but it's not the end of it's the not world. Not the end of the world. Yeah. yeah, but if you're if you have a, um, you you'd know, almost need like a you'd almost need like access to a proper recording. Exactly. Studio. Yeah. So it, so it's it's a non trivial undertaking. So I'm going to count that as one, mm-hmm. um, and. Uh, and I I agree. I would love to do that. I I love um, I love that stuff. I love audiobooks. Between the two of us, you have the far better voice for doing an audiobook. <laughs> I don't know. I think you could pull it off. You could you get that good podcast voice. Um. Yeah, but what I don't have is the ability to read and to read aloud. Um. Because of my eyesight, it oh. I, like I get tripped up on things. So if I were trying to read off something that was written and on the screen in front of me. Uh, it would not flow very well at all because my eyeball kind of sure does what it wants. <laughs> sure, yeah. So unless I'm going to memorize the whole book. Woof. <laughs> all right, step one: memorize the whole book. Yeah. Uh, cool. All right, so I, you know, I'm excited. I am too. Excellent. I hope you're excited, dear listener. I actually, I went out and bought a notebook today. Oh, cool. How do you? Okay, so let's so let's let's give people a taste of how boring <laughs> this is going to be. So. <laughs> so what do you what do you imagine we'll do like what do you think the the working model should be the collaboration model should be like what what makes the most sense to you just to give people a taste of how boring this is going to be that's that's a good question i think we both work through an outline together and figure out the the basic story we want and then it's like do we alternate chapters mm-hmm. does do we write one chapter and then get together and collaboratively edit it and then one of us writes the next and go back and forth like that right or do we like discuss things and then beforehand and then one of us goes off and writes it or yeah i i don't know but i think i think i I don't know how to collaboratively do a work of fiction but i mean clearly clearly it can be done well um yeah it feels like there needs to be some obviously there needs to be some kind of division of labor so mm -hmm. is it like um that it feels like i mean having having I've never written, well, I wrote one book. I have a co-author on one of my books, but we didn't write it together. He took three chapters and I wrote the other chapters. Mm-hmm. So it wasn't really collaborative in that way, but it was nonfiction. You know, it was like, a, it was like a, a, a tech book and he did the Windows stuff and I did, everything else was like um, agnostic, but there was a piece mm-hmm. that had to be Windows specific that I didn't even have a Windows computer. So I had someone else do that piece. And, but this, uh, you know, it doesn't seem like it could be, it, it, it needs to be more cohesive than that. So... It does. Otherwise, it's going to feel like it's written by two different people. Yeah, you don't, which you don't want. Because we're talking about a fictional, like a narrative story, and you don't want it to feel like it's written by two different people. You want it to feel cohesive throughout. Right. So oh. I do. I do. Um, I do like the idea. I'm an outliner. I like the idea of outlining the, the story. And, and I think I, if we're going to collaborate, we have to. We have to, right? I mean, it, theoretically, we could be like, let's just create a bunch of characters and throw them into a situation, and just like you know, just like surprise them at the end of every chapter to keep people reading. And, and the story never ends that way. Yeah. The right. It never moves. Yeah. I, I You I, end up with like some super great character development, but it's, but nothing ever happens. Nothing happens. Yeah. So I, I well, we're in agreement there because I'm terrible at, yeah, we just end up waffling for 300 mm-hmm. pages and I, that's no fun. I don't think so. I'm definitely about all about the outline and leading, leading up to this, like the end, like, so I made the decision about all these books, maybe in the summer, it was earlier in the summer. And, uh, I've been 
trying not to start because I've been like, oh, I really want to, you know, but <laughs> right. I don't want to cheat. Air don't quotes. cheat. Right. So I don't want to start early. But what I have been doing is um, reading. I read a lot, especially, mm. uh, I especially was reading about writing a lot. And I was watching, I watched master classes with all of these famous authors and I, and interviews with people like Stephen King and Dan Brown and James Patterson and Judy Bloom and, and like all of their, all their different takes on things. Mm-hmm. And, uh, they have perhaps surprisingly very little in common. Like everybody's got a different process. Everybody comes at it from a different angle, but the one thing that they all have in common is that they're right every day. Like every single one of them like writes all the time. And I found that um, not surprising, surprising and not surprising. Mm-hmm. It was like, but you're famous. You don't have to write every day. And they're like, well, you know, and like it's kind of like you want to be a good writer, write all the time. You want to have right. a body like an <laughs> Olympic athlete, work out like an Olympic work athlete. Out all the time. Right? Yeah. <laughs> this is not rocket science. But one of the things that are, that I notice is like some people, um, are, are completely do the outline thing and some people completely don't. Yeah. And I was like, huh, I can't imagine doing it without an outline. And yet, and so I'm glad you're in the same camp because if it was just like, no, 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 let's just start and start writing. I'd be like, oh man, that sounds like the never ending story. I'm, I might do that if it was just me, but I don't think you can do that and collaborate. Yeah. I don't think the two of us can do that and collaborate. Yeah. Yeah. So cool. So we've got that going for us. <laughs> and then wh- like, what do you m- imagine? Like just having a, I don't know, a Google doc or something. And we just like, yeah, probably more than one document. Probably we'll share a folder. Yeah. Yep. And have like probably the main multiple documents, right? There'll, there'll be outlines and there'll be chapter, you know, individual chapters and whatever. Mm-hmm. Yeah. Yeah. That's cool. Notes on characters or notes on places or right. Yeah. Notes on plot. Story. Cool, cool. Yeah, that makes sense to me. Um, and I do, I do think it makes sense to. I like the idea of being able to. Um, I'm kind of attracted to the idea of writing every other, of, mm-hmm. like having one of us take turns uh, take at the turns first the, draft of right, each like chapter. The, the the first draft of each chapter, and then we collaboratively yeah, bring them together. Yeah, it's so much. It's like oh, that's what I. That's why I brought up the the. Um, co-author thing the one time i did have a co-author was like it's so easy to react to someone else's writing like when i'm writing by myself mm-hmm. it's which i do a lot but when i i go to look back like i need i need like three weeks to i need to forget i wrote the thing and then go back and read it and then that's when i see like oh i could have made this better like because then right. i see it like an editor would but when i just wrote the thing i can't i don't have enough distance from it to really read it mm-hmm. and be surprised by by like what's happening and this is just i'm not talking about fiction just like business stuff in general yeah yeah so if you if we've got um if we can kind of tag team on that i feel like it'd be it'd be way better it'll like really speed things up Mm -hmm. and then the first i mean the first draft i mean i'm I'm like it sounds dumb to say this but i'm like terrified of putting pen to paper for for this because it's i i can't even i've basically never written fiction of i can't think of any time like in, i wrote a uh like a greek i had an assignment in junior high to write a myth mm-hmm. and i wrote a like a one page that's it i think that's <laughs> it in my entire life okay so i've just it's like i'm like ah, 
I, I'm so impressed by You'll people. Be, that you're, you're definitely stepping out of your comfort zone here. Way out, way out. Because like stuff that's real, like nonfiction, mm-hmm. I can be like, well, this this is what happened. Like, look, I'm just yeah. describing the reality, and it might be a reality that not that many people see. But I, I'm like, it's based on a reality that I, that you see, yeah. yeah, that I see. So like, just randomly making something up, and it, so this has been in my mind for six months. Every mm-hmm. time I read a book or watch a movie, I'm like, how do they do this? Like, how do they come up with this <laughs> just out of nothing? It's yeah. amazing to me. Totally amazing. So anyway, so that's, yeah. So this'll be, this'll be a fun experiment. Yeah. So dear listener, you can hear, you'll be hearing me weep into the microphone probably in <laughs> a month or so. It is funny that the, um, the resistance, the kind of procrastination that your brain does it's, mm-hmm. it's almost like acts like you're, you know, like I'm, my lizard brain is like reacting like I'm, I'm walking around in the woods and like a stick cracked behind me and it's dark and like maybe it's a saber tooth tiger. Like there's so, no risk. So what I'm, what I'm getting from this is that I'm writing the first chapter. Oh yeah. You're definitely writing the first chapter. <laughs> <laughs> Absolutely. Yeah. That's, I vote yes on that one. <laughs> So uh, I think the outline, I can imagine the outline, I can imagine outlining it, mm-hmm. uh, but the, the idea of just, I guess I, it makes me feel better whenever I do stuff like this to just like give myself permission to be terrible at it and not self edit while I'm trying to write it. Yeah. I, <laughs> I, um, I had a 2016, I had this new year's resolution that I was going to do something creative every week mm-hmm. and I ended up doing like tons of different types of projects yeah i remember that and like a big portion of that was me allowing myself to not be perfect at all the things i was trying to do mm-hmm. like like that was that was one of the goals was to get over that i have to do this perfectly and it was just about no let's just do something be creative have fun experiment and learn and publish because you i remember i don't know if you published all of them but you put i blogged about a lot of them yeah yeah, yeah. that's the thing with me it's like it, it's and it's part of the reason why I like the idea of doing a podcast behind mm-hmm. the scenes as we're going along, because it, I mean, who knows if people listen to it, then great. Cause that's even more motivation to like keep us going or whatever. But it's like, I can't, I, I, maybe it's how old I am or whatever, but I can't, um, I get no joy out of the, um, activities of creating it really that's not the fun it's hard to explain it's like i can't like with music especially it's especially bad mm-hmm. with music like i cannot just sit in my room and play it's just i'm like why am i doing this there's nothing there's no reason for this i either want to i it's for me it's a, it, it for me it needs to be a social activity okay. uh, music it's just it's just absolutely um boring it just immediately i'm immediately bored if i'm just like by myself playing guitar like playing the same stupid riffs i've been playing for 40 years mm-hmm. but if i play those same stupid riffs with like a few people i'm friends with and we're like and then they're, they're bringing something new it's like uh, an interactive thing mm-hmm. it's now all of a sudden it takes on a life of its own it becomes fun so so yeah that's one of the things i'm excited about like co-writing something because then it's not just you know me staring into my own brain um, right. But also the idea of having like people kind of, I don't know, rooting for us or like waiting to see what happens or like creates a sort of energy that laughing at us. Yeah. Well, whatever it is, it, like it's yeah. a certain energy that keeps me going. It's, it feels a little 
selfish or self-indulgent to just sit there and write a write a book for myself that I wouldn't even publish. I don't know. It's just a weird, like, why would you do that? I, mm-hmm. I mean, uh, like my brother-in-law wrote a book that, that he, I don't think he ever published. And you, you know, you, you wrote one that you put in a folder and it's like, I couldn't, I couldn't bring myself to do it. Like I would never have finished it. Like at least right. you guys finished, <laughs> you know, like I, I wouldn't finished. I could never bring myself to like have the courage to show it to other people. Mm-hmm. So that's one of the reasons I'm looking forward to the podcast and like the co-authoring and things because I, you know, sometimes I do dabble in, in written things and creative stuff like this. And it's like, I, uh, writing something about writing, especially I'm very guarded about it. Mm-hmm. Um, so it's going to be hard enough just showing it to you. Right. Um, so I, yeah, I'm just, I'm, I'm hoping to like get over some of that and like be able and like have the confidence to at least put it out there. And, and like you said, combined with your permission to do it terribly, <laughs> exactly. <laughs> you know, maybe we can, we can push through this together. Right. Yeah. Let's write a bad sci-fi book. There we go. It's funny. I've been reading. So I've been, like I said, I've been reading like crazy and one of the, one of the author interviews that I listened to was R.L. Stein, who wrote Goosebumps, among a million other things. Mm-hmm. And uh, if you don't know, Goosebumps is um, it's uh, like it's, it's horror for kids. Horror for kids. It's like Stephen King's training bra. It's like <laughs> for it's aimed at seven Eight to twelve year olds. Yeah. Yeah. And and the writing. So it's funny because because you you read it and you want to you you want to say the writing's bad but the writing's not bad it's aimed at seven to twelve year olds right so it's super simplistic very formulaic yeah like there's a formula to every book yeah and and but i tell you like if you once you get i'm reading it with the kids i'm reading a bunch Mm -hmm. of them with the kids and cooper's nine he's gonna be 10 next month and we'll go through and the books are especially formulaic at the beginning they all start the same way right where it's like a group of four or five kids who are all either 11 or 12 and he like you know jessica simpson is a you know she's 12 and she's upset because you know it's like really just spells it out yeah. blatantly uh you know and her hair looks like this and she has shorts on that look like that and mm-hmm. her friend cody you know miller is wearing this it's like really yeah. really i don't know yeah. what you call that it's yeah. sort of I- ham-fisted Goosebumps was after my time, but I read a lot of Encyclopedia Brown as a kid. Right. Yeah. 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 So yeah, me too. And so, so you can, but he sucks you in because it's really, yeah. it goes fast, fast, fast. And before you know it, he's tricked you into something that's actually scary. It's wild. You know, it's like, it's almost like you ease into it and, and Cooper will be like, this is dumb he's gonna this is what's gonna happen he can already call what's gonna happen because Mm -hmm. but he's but the the author is like putting these red herrings you know in for him to pick up on and then he'll trick them he tricks the reader because like the red herring thing of course is like um you know and you know and it turns out it was cody that just snuck up behind jessica and scared her and but then something truly scary will happen and and they're like totally sucked in (laughs) And it's just wild to see that there, um, in this particular case, it's wild to see that something like, call it the vocabulary or the poetry mm-hmm. part of the writing can be really low level, but the story is still effective because it's still creepy. Like I'm reading it and it's like, oh, that's creepy. Like you get yeah. creeped out. 
Yeah. Because like it's the idea. It's a, almost like a poorly written good idea. <laughs> I think I, I have read a couple of um, Goosebump books because I do. Like I have I have younger adopted siblings and, and what have you. So I, I have read a couple of them. I remember reading one one time. I, I don't know. Like something I think took place in a castle. I don't remember what it was about or anything. But it's just like, okay. this. By the end, I was like, I was hooked. <laughs> mm-hmm. Yeah, it's 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 really it's fascinating to me. And then I'll see, you know, I've read other books that um, adult books like thrillers and stuff. They're super formulaic, mm-hmm. where uh, the the where the characters are pretty good, but the story is really bad. Mm-hmm. And you're like, it, it kind of like what you were saying before. If you just start at the beginning and and go, like that's how Stephen King does it. And his books are some of the most amazing books I've ever read. But you know, he but he's you know perhaps just great at it. And, but also he takes forever to write a book. Right. So I don't know. It's anyway, the it's, it's wild to kind of read books for the first time. This is like literally this year, 2019 is the first time I've ever read books and kind of like tried to deconstruct them. Like, what's he doing here? Why is this working on me? Like, why am I nervous? <laughs> mm-hmm. You know what I mean? And uh, especially during the shining, like I, I reread this, I read a whole bunch of books that also had a movie because okay. I wanted to, I wanted to see, what someone reasonably talented would do two different ways to tell the same story. It's okay. trying to like, I don't know. It was like, it seemed like I had a good exercise to go through and uh, the shining was one of the ones and the, the, the book and the movie bear some resemblance to each other, but they're all, <laughs> only just only barely. And, uh, and I like the movie, but when you read the book as so often is the case, it's like, wow, the movie is really not that good compared to the book. Yeah. And, uh, and in the book, especially that one of all the books, I must've read 10 books like Jaws and, um, and some of the, along came a spider books, whatever his name is, mm-hmm. uh, just, you know, uh, hunt for red October, all these things that like had a big movie. And, uh, especially that one, I was like, why do I care what happens to this kid? I'm like freaking out. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> Uh, it's like, it's so, but so he's got, Stephen King to me has that combination of like, I don't know what to call it. It's like poetry and the writing, like the, the writing is artful, you know, like it's descriptive. Mm-hmm. It's, it's, um, I don't want to say it's like the vocabulary is it, he's like very, it's very, he puts you there mm-hmm. where R.L. Stein, when you're reading that, it feels like you're reading a cartoon almost. It's like, or you're like looking at a cartoon. Right. It's not fleshed out it's at not all. A- it's not as immersive. Yeah, it's just all the primary colors. There's no nuance whatsoever. Yeah. Um, but yeah. But again, it's for seven to twelve year olds. Sure, but it works on me too because I'm like I'm not super <laughs> I'm not super picky. I can sit there and be like, ah, oh, this is like some pretty dopey. That was a dopey sentence. Right, but like you can enjoy it for what it is. Yeah. But two chapters later, I'm getting stressed out. You yeah. know, it's it's wild. I think it's cool. <laughs> anyway, this is what you can expect on the new show. <laughs> Yes, and it <laughs> remains to be seen. Like, what what sort of audience age group or audience are we targeting? Yeah, Cri- yes, critical piece. So I I um, think that's incredibly important. Knowing mm-hmm. who you're writing for, and yes. that's a really, that's an interesting point. I always kind of imagined for this particular book that we were sort of writing, writing for, for people like us, like us. Yeah, but now that you mention it, I could also see it. Being a young adult, I could also imagine writing. I could imagine writing for lots of different writing fiction mm-hmm. for well, maybe not lots. I could imagine I, doing. I fiction. could see like like young adult or 
adult. I mm-hmm. I don't want to write children's. No, I don't either. I don't understand kids. <laughs> Having them doesn't help. I don't know if I could simplify the language in the right ways that would it would that it would still sound good. Right. Here's a, I agree with you. I the same. I'm the same. I could I could go as far back as young adult. I almost feel like doing young adult would perhaps falsely give me a little bit more confidence that it doesn't have to be amazing. Um, There's a lot of young adult novels out there that aren't amazing. Are not, not amazing. Yeah, but there's a plenty of adult novels that are not amazing. Mm-hmm. That's for sure. So I don't know. I guess. Um, well, what do you think? I mean, I, I, do you have a strong feeling one way or the other? I no. Yeah, I think it's important to to decide though. Uh, yeah, I think it is too, but I don't have a strong preference. Yeah. So here's something here's something related and funny, or mm-hmm. f- funny strange. So I recently started rereading the Hitchhiker's Guide trilogy with Cooper. Or okay. Reading it with Cooper for the first time, and uh, and if you if what would you if you were going to put that book on a shelf in a bookstore, what what uh, section would you put it in? Hmm. I could put it under sci-fi. I could put it under satire. Yeah. Yeah. It's like, because it's funny because as I'm reading it, I'm like, there's really not that much sci-fi in this. There's not. It's mostly him making jokes about, about uh, evidently about some like English government at the time or just people being crazy. Mm -hmm. And I'm, because I'm reading it, I'm like, what is this? You know, (laughs) it's like Douglas Adams making jokes. Right. Which are great. I love it. It totally translates. It's still very funny. But his style of uh, that sort of like way he backs into a punchline, mm-hmm. you know, almost exactly unlike T type stuff is like, huh, what is this? It's almost like what a columnist would do, like Dave Barry or someone like that. Mm-hmm. It's almost like observational humor about a, f- a future that doesn't exist. Know, it's weird. <laughs> it is. Yeah. He was, um, I think, a unique individual. Mm hmm. Well, this is going to be fun and difficult and crazy. Yes. Which is All ex- of those things. Exactly what I was hoping for. <laughs> That's how I want to spend my 2020. <laughs> yeah. Difficult and crazy. Exactly. Uh, cool. Is there anything else we could, uh, anything else like that you've, any thoughts you've had about it, like leading up to it, if you've thought about it at all or anything like um, that? No, not that we haven't mentioned, I don't think. Cool. All right. So, uh, dear listener, what you can expect next is um, probably a short, brief yeah. episode yep. with links. Exactly. That we can sort of say, okay, here's the here's where it's going to be. If you care mm-hmm. to follow along, um, all that stuff. So basically, a big show notes. I haven't really been putting up show notes lately, but uh, but this one will have links to new stuff. If you want to subscribe, great. If you don't, that's cool too. Um, if you and if you want to stay subscribed to TRD, there's a possibility in the future that uh, there'll be a new episode, but probably not yeah. next year. Yeah, and you never know. We may we may surprise you with a holiday episode or something. Yeah, if like uh, if a bunch of good gadgets finally come out. <laughs> <laughs> uh, cool. Okay, so I'm excited. And, yeah, me too. Uh, we can we can wrap up season 10 of TRD. Um, consider this the last episode, I suppose. Been a good run. Publishing schedule got a little wonky at the end with your your black belt testing and my job changing and, and what have you. All that. But so I, I think, you, I don't think we shared this on the show before. We couldn't have. Um, so, dear listener, you may know that we had a pod, Kelly and I had a podcast before this one called Niche. 
mm-hmm. and we did 154 episodes. And this one, TRD, assuming that the next episode is the last one, is going to be, I think, 153. So apparently... I think this is 153. So I think I think the next one will actually be 154. There you go. So we, and like, we apparently have 154 episodes in us per show. <laughs> <laughs> it's going to take a long time to write that book. <laughs> so weird. <laughs> that is weird. Um you know, not not that we're saying this one is done forever. We may come back at the end of the year and be like, we want to jump back into this. We may decide we want to do something else yeah. podcast-wise. We yeah. may want to just, like, like we spent a year writing it, and now we're going to read you a chapter each week. Who knows? Yeah, who knows? <laughs> right. Yeah, and then you can go into the back catalog. and, and Yeah, I mean, I, I don't know. I think it, That actually wouldn't be bad. That yeah. actually might be fun. Right. Like, I wish, I wish there was, like, that of The Expanse or, like, other books that I like where you could go back and like listen to them like hammer it out especially once the series is over to just go back mm-hmm. and get all that behind the scenes like I would love that I would totally listen to that Yeah, I would too. So hopefully if you're weird you get like the behind us, the scenes on the TV shows sometimes but that but to get like a behind the scenes on the writing that'd be cool. Super cool. I uh-huh. feel like it would be helpful. Yeah. Yeah, it'd be a great way to procrastinate writing our own. <laughs> it would be, wouldn't it? Yeah. <laughs> All right, cool. Well, that's it for this week. I'm Jonathan Stark. And I'm Kelly Shaver. And stay tuned for the transition episode next week. Bye. Bye.